On this episode of The Best of Health, we take you behind the scenes of the fast-paced emergency department, also known as the ER. It's a complete mixture of people that are coming in with a stubbed toe to people that need emergent care in order to stay alive, and you never know what's coming next. There are few things more important to your life than your health. You want the best of it. We want the best of it for you. That's why we're giving you the Best of Health podcast, where we cover a number of healthcare issues that affect you, your family, as well as the physicians, providers, and staff that help you on your healthcare journey, right here at Confluence Health. My name's Clint Strand, and today we're talking with Vanessa Cameron. She is a nursing professional development specialist with our emergency department. That's right, the ER. Welcome, Vanessa. Now, that title's a mouthful. So in layperson's terms, what exactly does that mean? So essentially, nursing professional development is a blend of a lot of different types of roles. A lot of people traditionally think of it as the educator. So that's definitely a big part of it, educating staff to what are the expectations, um, what does their role entail, how can they really do their very best job for their patients. Some of the other big key components of it also center around mentoring, role development. There's also things like project management and leadership. So there's a lot of different aspects that come to it. Uh, But that's really what my education has been centered around, and I have my certification. And so that's that's what I'm doing here in the emergency department. Vanessa, I was so excited about this conversation coming to you as a non-clinician, as I am a layperson. Because when you think about the emergency department, if you're not familiar with that, if you've ever walked through there and you don't know what's going on, you can look around and say, oh my God, it's chaos over here. It's amazing. So Give us some context and give us a a, a view inside the emergency department, what it's really like. What does a day in the life of an ED nurse look like? Well, I think that that's one of the most interesting things to me about the emergency department is that every single day is going to be very different. Um, Really minute to minute and hour to hour, what you're doing and what you're trying to take care of and what you're managing is completely different from what you had just been doing. So it's a complete mixture of people that are coming in with a stubbed toe to people that need emergent care in order to stay alive. And you never know what's coming next. That feels like an interesting line to walk because you need to be prepared for what's going to happen, but yet you don't know what's going to happen until that person walks through the door. Exactly. Um, And I think that that is why people that do emergency room nursing really love it. There's always that adrenaline because you never know what's coming next. Um, Most of my background is in critical care, and we always knew we were getting sick patients, You always had some level of what to expect because if they were coming to the ICU, you had this variety of processes you were going to deal with, the diagnoses or um, equipment you were going to use. But in the emergency department, I said you can have someone come in who is completely fine, um, you know, needs maybe needs some wound care or anything. And in the room next door, there's someone who is actively trying to die and you have to figure out how do I manage both of these situations with some grace and keeping my composure, um, staying flexible, working as a team. So how do you prepare for that sort of thing? Is it purely an experiential thing? You don't know until you've been through it or those new, new nurses that walk through the door their first day, do they have some tools in their toolbox already? So part of that is really why 
I'm here okay. um, as the educator. So a lot of my responsibility is trying to give people some level of um, tools and resources and, and things they can draw on when they're in completely new situations. One of the things that I'm really curious about, and you touched on it in the last answer, was that, for lack of a better term, that spidey sense you need to have. As far as when someone not walks through the door, obviously anyone who walks through your door is not 100% well. But how do you tell who's sick versus, ooh, you're sick? Like, how do you ascertain that? That one really does come from a lot of experience. And a lot of it has to do with you walk into a room um, and from the outside, it might seem like, oh, well, I just see a person. But in the five seconds that I am looking at someone, I'm taking in what does their skin color look like? How are they breathing? Are their eyes looking kind of glassy? Um, There's all of these really little subtle cues that sometimes are even hard to pick up or hard to explain. Um, But with more experience and the more exposure that you get to it, you start to get that gut feeling. Sometimes I might not know what's wrong with you, but I can tell that you are sick and that you need help right now. So you can really pick that up within seconds of a person walking in the door usually. Absolutely. Wow. And I imagine it's not just you. If you've spent enough time in the ED, other people can as well. And I'd imagine it's almost a collective spidey sense, right? Yeah. You know, one of the uh, one of the best training tools for new people into the emergency department or really into nursing in general is you play the sick or not sick game. That means <laughs> you look at anyone, and I unfortunately sometimes do this on the street or on the bus or wherever I am, and you see someone and you think, not sick, not sick, not sick. Oh, you're sick. Right. Um, and it's just that idea of that quick five second, I don't even have to touch you or talk to you assessment to try and determine how worried do I need to be. Story time with Vanessa. I'm going to ask, do you have a story of where that came into play? And again, this is a HIPAA friendly broadcast. So no names, no identifying features will keep things vague enough. But do you have a story where that really came into play? Yeah. So I had a patient. um, It was when I was working in the ICU. So of course he was there. He was fairly sick, but there was this particular moment in time when I went in and I looked at him and I could not put my finger on what it was that was different. Um, We were monitoring everything. He clinically didn't look very different. His vital signs were pretty similar, but there was a moment where I thought, this is going to go south and it's going to happen quickly. Um, and unfortunately, I I was right. But it's one of those things. It's also really hard to sometimes explain what it is that's different because you just have that gut feeling. And so a big part of that is having relationships with your providers that you're working with and with your team to be able to have the trust so that if I say I need help, even if they look okay, someone comes. And this segues into the next thing I wanted to talk about, the fact that the ED isn't one person or one specialty. We really are talking about a team, an orchestra of healthcare professionals playing one piece all together. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think is really unique to the emergency room because you have your providers and your nurses and your techs all there working for the same collective goal. And it's one of those situations where it's oftentimes high stress. You have things you're not expecting to be dealing with. You have different personalities. Most people that are in these environments in healthcare are pretty strong personalities. 
And so how do you mesh all of that, still have good communication and focus on what the outcome is for your patient? Okay, so now this is interesting because in the short time that we talked before the tape started rolling, the virtual tape here, I, I always get a sense about people because I've I, in my career, that's what I did. I interviewed people. So in the same way, you have a spidey sense of how someone walking through the door, are they well or not well? I have a sense of people's general temperament when I first talk to them, I can tell you are a conscientious person. You're not a brusque, you're not brusque, you're not abrupt. I don't get that, ooh, she's a prickly pear vibe about her. But yet you're saying that please and thank yous probably aren't the currency of choice in the ED. Was that did that take some getting used to? Maybe it did in the very beginning. Um, and again, most of my experience working at bedside was more in the ICU versus in the ED, but uh-huh. I feel like those critical emergent situations are pretty relatable on both sides. And I think the first couple of times that you're in a situation and it's high stress and a person's life is actually on the line, when someone yells at you to get something, you have two options of a response. You can either go and do it because this is what the patient needs to survive, or you can get upset and a little bit withdrawn Um, And oftentimes in that situation, someone with more experience is going to be stepping in for you. But really, when you think about it, if you're in that situation in the first place, it's not about you. It's about that patient. Exactly. And everybody should be focused on that. In, in the emergency department. So let's talk about care here, because just like everyone's health situation is different as they walk in the door, I know we all strive to give the same type of care to everyone, but we're all human. Does that happen all the time? So unfortunately, it's almost impossible to provide the exact same level of care and attention to every single person. And there's a lot of factors that come into that. Sometimes it is how busy is the department? Do I have the time, the same time to give to my person who stubbed their toe as I have to give to the person who's having a heart attack? No, I have to prioritize. That means some people might get a little bit less dedicated care and attention. One of the other things that really comes into play is something called implicit bias. What's that? So implicit bias is our unconscious bias towards someone for whatever reason. There's common themes in healthcare. Um, Some of them include things like chronic usage of the healthcare system, um, recent usage of the healthcare system, people that have a lot of comorbidities or chronic diseases, as well as uh, psychiatric and mental health issues. Those are things that we don't consciously have a bias about, but oftentimes knowing those bits and pieces about somebody, we start to interject and create our own story for them. And so that shifts how we look at what their symptoms are, what their problems are, because we're adding to their story based on these unconscious biases that we have. So how do you yourself course correct when you find yourself maybe shading towards that? You know, what I always recommend to people is if you are working with someone and you know that you either have a particular bias against a disease process or um, someone who fits certain characteristics, or if it's one of these common unconscious biases, I always recommend that people just take that extra couple of seconds before they make any clinical decisions and make sure to the best of their ability that they're trying to avoid those. Do those conversations happen uh, caregiver to caregiver within the ED as it's happening sometimes? I think that we have a really good team and people are willing to step up and talk about concerns that they're having. And we have a lot of people that 
are very aware of some of their own personal biases that they have. And so I think that knowing that is the first step to being able to try and provide that same level of care to everybody. We're talking about a team of caregivers that you all give amazing, exceptional care to members of our community when they most need it every single day. But something that I was curious about was the question, who cares for the caregivers, right? So what's something that every single care provider, including yourself, that work in the ED, what do they need? So oftentimes it's needing some camaraderie and some support. People that are in healthcare and specifically these sorts of areas in healthcare, some of the most challenging areas are the emergency department, critical care environments, and um, labor and delivery areas, just because they are situations with a lot of stress where you have wonderful success stories and you also have horrific tragedies. And so it's finding a way to try and cope with that with people that understand what you're going through. There's not a great way to describe to someone who hasn't seen someone pass away in the middle of a tragedy. There's not a way that you can always convey that to someone who hasn't been there in the moment with it. And so being able to be surrounded by people that even just understand you and understand what you've seen. I almost asked you how you deal with that, how a person deals with that who works in the ED, but it almost feels like that's an unfair question because we're all different and we all deal with that in different ways, right? Yeah, I would say that there are probably some commonalities, though. I think that any time that you, if you spend a lot of time around nurses or providers, especially in those kind of high risk areas, you will find some interesting senses of humor because humor is a wonderful way to try and relieve stress from a situation. It's not a lack of sensitivity. It's a coping mechanism. Absolutely. So this touches on another thing that I wanted to address, and it's one of the big reasons why I would be so utterly worthless in the uh, (laughs) emergency department if I were a clinician. And thank goodness I'm not. But you and your team deal with personal stories every day that would absolutely wrench most people's hearts, and you are deciding on that care. These people deserve all the empathy in the world, but is it tough to let that empathy not affect the quality of care? That is to say, how do you let your emotions not get in the way of making sound medical decisions. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that that is one of the most challenging things to learn when you're first starting out in in nursing or in medicine in these areas is trying to figure out how do I care compassionately for someone and be honest and truthful in what I'm doing and at the same time have some self-preservation so that I'm not just a destroyed mess when I go home every single night. And what a lot of the research has shown is actually that empathy is a huge component of reducing burnout and of feeling good about what you're doing at the end of the day. So if I can at the end of the day, feel like I went on this journey with people and I helped them through their situation. I did my part and I should feel good about that. One of the challenges is that empathy can oftentimes get mixed up with sympathy, which is I feel so horrible for what you're going through. And that unfortunately can actually make burnout and um, moral distress for nurses and for healthcare providers worse because it's sympathy is usually about how this is affecting me. 
Empathy is about how can I help you through this situation? And so it's a different approach to how you look at them. One can actually help you recover from hard situations and the other tends to make it worse. That is amazing. Is that, to use a tortured analogy, is that a garden that you need to tend every day? Does it does that get easier with practice? Is that something that you had to struggle with early on in your journey? Absolutely. You know, I think that anyone you talk to, we can say, I, I know I have patients still to this day. I remember every single thing about them. I remember the care that I gave. I remember exactly what was wrong. I remember every moment of their care until some sort of tragic event. And typically, I think that is more related to it was earlier in my career. And I felt so personally horrible about what was happening to them. Even though I was providing good care and I was doing everything I could, I couldn't separate from it. So I was too involved and I, it kind of makes it about me. It's that sympathy thing. It's like what you said. It's not about you. It's about the patient. And if you can direct your intention in your efforts towards that, you're probably going to end up with a healthier state of mind at the end of your shift. Yeah, even if the outcome wasn't good, you can know that you did everything to walk through that situation with your patient and their family, which is a good and positive thing. Let's take a look once again at the emergency department on the whole. I've never really talked to anybody who works full-time in the emergency department, but I have my thoughts and I have my assumptions. So it's time to either disabuse me of them or confirm them. I have to imagine you see some crazy stuff in there. Yeah? Yeah. There are things, if you right now try to imagine the craziest situation that you could think of, it doesn't come close to what real life can do. For folks that are outside the emergency department, what do you want people to know about the ED that we really haven't focused on here yet? You know, I think that the biggest thing for everyone in the hospital to know about the emergency department is just that they are expected to know such a broad amount of information because you never know what you're getting next. And because of that, they're running like crazy all day long. And so I think a little bit of understanding for when things aren't quite done when someone goes to the goes to the floor or becomes admitted or if you come down and it looks crazy and hectic or if unfortunately if someone is there in the emergency department having some patience because if we're not all in your room working on you quickly that's a good thing so I guess that's a good thing to keep in mind <laughs> right it might not be fun to be that person who's waiting but you don't want to necessarily be the person that everyone is is running to either in that situation because if you're getting immediate attention then there's a reason why you're getting that immediate attention. Exactly. Nursing professional development specialist, Vanessa Cameron. So great to talk to you. Anything you'd like to add? Anything that we missed? I don't think so. I think that gives a good introduction to what the emergency department is all about. Vanessa, thank you so much. Thanks, Clint. Well, this conversation is over, but more is on the way. So like us, subscribe, and visit us at confluencehealth.org. I'm Clint Strand for Confluence Health, wishing you the best of health.